Hello, I'm Donna Robinson, a lawyer with the Arts Law Centre of Australia. This podcast is produced by Arts Law in partnership with Desart, the peak body for Central Australian Aboriginal Arts Centres. This podcast is part of a series of podcasts for arts centres and for the broader visual arts community, where we discuss the legal issues that regularly impact arts centres, artists and arts organisations. In this episode, we're talking about licensing artworks on textiles and on fashion and the steps the art centre, organisation and artists need to think about and take from a legal perspective when considering licensing an artwork for use by someone else on fabric and fashion. This is a follow-up to an earlier podcast we've done on licensing. Check that out if you haven't already. Today we're talking to Dave Giles Kay the manager of the Indigenous Fashion Projects at the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us today, Dave. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Donna, and it's great to, to be a part of the, this podcast series. And um, I'm coming from uh, Wurundjeri country here in the Yarra Valley in Victoria and uh, want to pay my respects to the elders here and uh, past and present and emerging, and I, I feel very privileged to be, be coming from here. So let's start with your background and what brought you to where you are now. My background is in the fashion industry. I've spent uh, all of my career in various different roles in the fashion industry here and overseas. Most recently, for a number of years, I was the CEO of the Australian Fashion Council and so had a really interesting uh, view on, uh, you know, across lots and lots of different organisations within the industry on, you know, how the industry works for different companies and what kinds of different things, um, uh, where the industry is going, what kind of things are helpful and what are, what is not. And I, I left that role a year or so ago and uh, at, the t- at the time that the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair Foundation had really evolved in how it was uh, engaging with the um, textile design and also fashion design of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and through the fair and I think we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But I was asked by, by DAF, uh, the board, to come in and, and help develop a fashion and textile specific program to kind of pull together the things that DAF was doing to make it you know, really relevant for the industry. DAF coming from the art side, but making it really relevant for the fashion industry and then developing partnerships with people within the industry. So that's what I've been working on for the last year and a bit. So DAF really recognised how important textiles and fashion are, are becoming with um, Indigenous artworks. Absolutely. And, you know, DAF came out of art centres. A number of art centres got together to create a place and a, a forum in Darwin uh, where they could sell their art directly to consumers and galleries and collectors. And, you yeah, that that was quite small 14 years ago, but it's evolved so much over that, that time and uh, to taking out all the halls in the Darwin Convention Centre and uh, has, you know, all sorts of different activities around it. But, yeah, the, there's some art centres that have been working in textiles and garments for a long time, like Beamerware up in the Tiwi Islands, Nagalajandu and over in, in Broome. But it was it then sort of really over the last sort of five, six years, I think really grew even more strong. And DAF five years ago um, decided to put on a runway show for art centres to showcase the amazing textiles that they were developing. And that's called Country to Couture. And um, that's... Uh, you know the the sort of main fashion um, event that that people would sort of see at the at the art fair. It happens just the day before the art fair up in Darwin each year. So yeah, fashion has become an, a very very strongly evolving sector within the the DAF sort of 
uh, areas of activity. And within the Indigenous art sector more broadly too, I think. Absolutely. I think reflecting that and, uh, yeah, the amount of incredibly beautiful textile artwork that's coming out and and the and the making of them, the printing coming, yeah, there's different ways of, of obviously developing art on textiles, but you know, so many art centres have this incredibly beautiful you know, aesthetically sort of rich telling of story through the art. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's wonderful to be able to showcase that. Absolutely. So what are you currently working on? Can you share what fashion projects you're involved in at the moment? Yes, so I mentioned Country to Couture. So that's, as I said, it's a showcase of these this, the art, art textile designers and art, the artwork that's shown on textiles, a collaboration with both Indigenous and non-Indigenous designers. And that's there's usually between 10 and 12 collaborations that are shown each year up in Darwin uh, and will be again this year in, in August. And that, that's this sort of, it's a very, it's a, it's a sort of a traditional runway show, I guess, fashion show, but it's got, it's sort of oozes culture and it's amazing to have the artists, as many artists as are able to be at the show are there and we're all, everyone's celebrating with them and around 1,500 people come to the show each year. It's a, it's a, it's a sellout um, and it's, a, it's an amazing showcase so it's kind of like that's kind of a central pillar, really. But what came last year was the National Indigenous Fashion Awards were asked to run that in partnership with the Northern Territory government. And of course, it was it was a virtual show last year during COVID, and we broadcast that on NITV. And that was in a uh, it, it sat really nicely alongside Country de Couture because it was a recognizing the practice of textile artists, designers, fashion designers collaborations, environmental and ethical work, uh, wearable designs, wearable art, and also a special recognition award to really sort of, again, you know, highlight where incredible achievement has, has been made and, and the collaboration nature of it. So there, there are two key things that are part of what we do, but underneath all that, uh, we have the development projects. So we're not just an events organisation. We're actually the more important part is you know, what we're doing to support people to develop their practice and to develop, to develop their business. So we have a number of different things that we, we get involved with there. And there are, there are other organisations that are doing things like this as well. So we're not the only ones. We're, 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 we see gaps and we try to fill them. But we have a program called the Pathways Program, which is uh, very uh, strongly supported by David Jones. And we also have eight of Australia's um, sort of top established design labels involved in that. And we have six Indigenous labels in, in the program. And it's, a, it's a, a program that is designed to help them develop their label and their business to the sort of next level. So there's mentoring, there's education. But it's also like everything that we do, we want people who are involved in it, who are not Indigenous, to be learning about Indigenous culture and stories and what the people involved are doing and why they're doing it. So it's very much a two-way learning, and that's a wonderful project. We do things from youth. We've got a youth education program connecting youth into the industry so to sort of see what the opportunities might be for them. We, we're supporting collaborations. I think we'll talk a little bit about this in a minute. And a really, really important part of that is something we're doing with Arts Law, actually, which is developing a like a resource toolbox for how to develop uh, collaborations, how to develop fashion business, a uh, very fashion textile-oriented toolbox that has agreements, uh, um, how to manage intellectual property, 
uh, all the different things that that are so sort of tricky to most of us. Uh, but you know, this is will be a project that will be so helping smooth that over and also know where to go to get advice. And you use the words uh, two-way process too, which is also what the resource toolbox is about, where it's about the artists being able to access the materials, but also the organisations who may want to licence their artwork. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the fashion industry is is really wanting to collaborate with Indigenous artists and designers and uh, it's very, very much, like you said, Donna, helping helping find pathways to that from from the established industry side as well. Yeah, and how successful have your collaborations been to date and what do you think is the key to some of those successes? Or what have you learned what have you learned from them? Perhaps there are things you learned from them rather than successes. Yeah, so I mean we're very much a collaborative organization, but I think the collaborations that we're you're talking about there are collaborations around developing a fashion la- uh, fashion collection or, or something like this. So we're, the role that we see that we can play in that is, is really a supportive kind of guidance, kind of where to go to get help kind of role. And we've, we've been involved in a couple of those, a few of those uh, in, the, in recent times. But one of the ones that we weren't actually directly involved in, but we did have them as part of our Country to Couture event uh, runway, uh, was a Gorman uh, collaboration with Munkajur Arts Centre in Kimberley. And that is a, a collaboration that is a really successful one and some of the things that that I know that people learned from that was uh, you know the importance of listening both sides of the agreements uh, listening and understanding you know and the communication and open communication that goes with listening so listening and then hearing as well and then also being able to communicate clearly back the other way also things like taking time you know, in the fashion world, we're, we're sort of questioning this a lot at the moment, but things happen very, very quickly. And uh, it doesn't have to happen quickly. And in fact, you know, the way a lot of Indigenous artists work is that it's not a fast thing. And that's fantastic. And it's, you know, a great learning for those of us that are caught up in that sort of speed trap. But yeah, everyone taking the time to, to, to sort of go through the right processes and understand, seeking advice as well. It's, you know, all parties don't have all the answers and, you know, collaboration between two key organisations will actually involve a number of other organisations that will help it work well. And the, the last thing I'd say there would be the importance of maintaining Indigenous agency throughout the whole process. And I think this is something particularly for the fashion industry to understand that the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists, designers really need to be involved in every sort of step of the process of the design of a range. It's not just buying something off the shelf and then you can do whatever you like with it. You know, these are really important cultural stories and have significance and it's important that agency is is in the process all the way through. Absolutely, and make sure the artist's rights are protected, you know, that they licence their images if possible rather than assign them, for example, so that they have the opportunity to commercialise that image again. Yeah, that's really important and I think getting those sort of expectations right up front with a collaboration or also around around dealing with money as well so you know pricing or licensing fees or, or that sort of thing getting those sorts of things organized up front is is really important so you know if a, if a fashion company is coming in to, to your point Donna is coming into a collaboration expecting to own the art they need to be told very much up front that that's not going to happen in this situation because they can they can accommodate that. That's not actually a problem. But if you get to the end of the process and then you say, oh, by the way, 
that's ours still. <laughs> that can cause problems. Yeah, managing expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And and has um, DAF been working with other fashion houses? Yeah, we have a wonderful relationship with Country Road. I mentioned David Jones as well before. Country Road, uh, huge supporters of our country to couture runway. They help financially, but also they, as an organisation, they're, they're very much rolling their sleeves up and getting involved. And for them, and it's the same with the others that we're involved with, it's, like I said before, two-way learning. The the people who are supporters of us, you know, we make that really clear up front that, you know, this is a journey that you're going on and, you know, you need to be part of that. And, you know, if, if you're not prepared to go on this journey with with us and with the people you work with, then this is probably not the right kind of uh, partnership for you. And, you know, the fashion industry, you know, I think particularly some of the big, big companies, you know, can seem quite daunting. But actually, you know, there's a very, very strong willingness within very, very many of them, certainly ones that I'm talking to about wanting to learn more about Indigenous culture, the people, the art, and just, you know, have a very genuine interest and keenness to learn. So... Uh, that's certainly been the case with our partnerships and they're very helpful in helping make the events that we're doing and the programs that we're doing really meaningful for the people that we're doing them for. Yeah, I think it's true for many Australians that we're fascinated by the culture and want to learn more about it. Yes, and I think this is one of the wonderful things about fashion as well, Donna, is that fashion is a medium that can help artists and designers reach a whole new audience and it's also a very different way of engaging. So, you know, if you're buying, a, say, a dress uh, to, you know, from an Indigenous designer or with an Indigenous artist's designs on it, it's a very, very personal thing for you. And, and just the act of buying it and then, then of wearing it is a very much an engagement with, with that piece. And, uh, you know, we, we really hope that the story behind the piece comes through to the consumer and, you know, that the garment stays in the wardrobe or is handed off down to someone else down the track and that story stays with that piece as well. But that much, I guess, broader audience than art tends to be and, you know, there's an, an amazing opportunity to, to tell stories but also just to get incredibly beautiful works of art and designs out into the into the community that just aren't there. And I'm just thinking yeah. of... Uh, uh, like uh, some of the accessories as well, uh, the Bulla Bulla Arts up in uh, East Arnhem Land and um, among a number of art centres up there that are all over Australia actually that are doing incredible weaving. Um, they did a collaboration with um, Julie Shaw, who's an uh, Aboriginal designer, uh, her label's Mara Collective, and had an incredibly beautiful collaboration. Julie designed the garments, they designed the hats, and uh, it's unbelievably beautiful. And, you know, these these things have to get into the community <laughs> just because they're so beautiful, but they have these incredible stories as well. Well, clothing is every day, so it is a great way to infiltrate (laughs) the whole of society. So do you have any tips for artists and art centres and arts organisations who are moving into working with Indigenous artworks on fabric and fashion? I I guess I'd start with the point I I just made, I guess, is that, you know, if you're considering uh, working with collaborations and working with the fashion industry, it's a wonderful way of reaching a new audience. It's also a wonderful way of expanding the potential income from the work that is being done by artists. Uh, it's a different market. It's a it's a new some new models of of you know different ways of licensing and, and this sort of thing. So it's a really potentially valuable method of selling your art. Uh, you know, if you're an art center that has traditionally done screen printing only, that might may be very relevant for some collaborations, but also. It might be that the fashion label that you're collaborating with would like to print, do their own, take the the art and then print on their own textiles. But there's a 
also a great opportunity in looking at new ways of doing uh, of the art being presented. Seeking help, I think, all the way along. Don't don't think that you know the answer. I don't know the answers to everything, uh, Donna. I'm sure you don't. And uh, but um, you know, seeking the right people to help out. And there's always so many people who are willing to help. And I think that's something that DAF and Arts Law and uh, other organisations are, are very much able to do is point people in the right directions. Also, talk to other art centres. You know, so many people I've been talking to in different art centres say how much they love getting together. They love getting together at DAF or if they visit each other and just what you can learn from what people are doing, I think is also a wonderful thing. But yeah, talking and learning and, and listening, I think is the, the key tips I would have. Yeah, and certainly I'd encourage people to contact Arts Law um, because we can help them with the licence, well, just to talk about it, first of all, but then also with the licence agreements or making sure they've got some sort of written document in place to record the arrangement to protect them if something arises in the future where people are either have a misunderstanding or just not sure about what they agreed or one person remembers one thing and the other remembers something quite different. So we strongly encourage people to have written agreements of some sort, oh, preferably yeah. a proper contract, but at the very least a very detailed email. Yeah, I totally agree, Donna. And, you know, having an agreement that obviously sets out the legal rights that people have and it doesn't, as you say, it doesn't have to be massively complicated but just done, just thought through. But also, yes, as we were talking about before, yep. the, the the pricing and how the you know the money works. Also, just how the product is going to be used. Just just really tightening that up because I've had many conversations with people where Indigenous artists um, who've really felt that they haven't had agency throughout the whole process, and it's usually because there wasn't a sufficient sort of uh, help for them to get the right agreements in place and. You know, without agreements it's and, and without the sort of working through all the steps from the beginning, it's very hard to sort of piece that back together, you know, many years later. Yeah, we, we commonly get um, people ringing who say, well, I gave permission for my artwork to be used for this for this year's collection or for this year, but now yeah. it's being continued to be used in yeah. years and years after. Yeah. And I think also in that one as well is building into into relationships, a reporting process. So, you know, if in that situation, Don, and I've heard about those kinds of things happening as well, is just making sure that the company that's been licensed to the fashion label usually agrees to report on, transparently report on what they're doing with the product that includes the art. And that that's not just one off or when they feel like it, that it's, you know, on this date every year or this every six months or every month or whatever it is, forever. Transparency helps solve a lot of problems. Absolutely. What arrangements does an arts organisation or artist or art centre need to have in place when licensing works on fabric? Yeah, so I think making sure that it's clear that the agency of the artist, the voice of the artist is going to be maintained throughout that whole process. So, you know, that's often around colour, but also how images might be taken from an artwork and then, you know, maybe manipulated digitally uh, and then placed somewhere on, an, on a garment. And, you know, again, a collaboration I've been involved with, that's happened and that's been at the agreement every step along the way of the artist and the fashion label has said, oh, you know, I've just come to this this meeting and I've got some ideas around how we think we might use this element of your artwork in this particular product in this way. Are you happy with that? And then the artist will say, 
yeah, I'm happy with that, but I'm not happy with this. And this is because this has this sort of cultural significance to me, or I just don't like it, or whatever is the reason. Uh, and then a good collaboration is one where the, the designer will then say, oh, okay, how can we adjust to make you happy with that? Or we won't use that at all. And that's the sort of mutual respect and a you know good working relationship. So I think, you know, collaboration and agreements where that kind of process is outlined up front, that it's not a surprise to the fashion label that the artist wants to have that kind of voice within the product as it, as it gets seen throughout. Also, I think uh, it's a nice thing to, if you want it, is to agree up front that some of the garments come back to the community or, you know, that there's some kind of way of even selling at the art centre some of the garments that are that are produced. And, you know, I think, you know, with the Gorman Munkager project, that was very much the case. And, I, I you know, I heard from, from the art centre there, you know, back, back when that was happening a year or two ago, how exciting that was to be able to sort of engage in the final products. I know North as well, a clothing label, a not-for-profit label, Darwin label, working with some art centres. I can't, I can't remember that art centre name now, uh, but down in desert country, which I think a number of people listening to this are, are from, and just how you know exciting it was to, for the artists to see products come back with their artwork on it and how beautiful it was. And, and you know, that's... That's something that is great to get into an agreement as well up front. Absolutely. And I think receiving samples before the work goes into manufacture is important too, either to allow the artist to keep the sample, but at least yes. to see what it looks like. And and it's surprising that colour does come up quite often, that people change the colour without getting permission. And, you know, yeah. cropping some images could be a problem depending on what the image is if you're trying to fit it onto a smaller item yes and 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 also just making sure that your intellectual property that the you know whether it's the rights you know the copyright or the design rights to the work that you've you've produced is is maintained with you through through the arrangements and and just making sure that that's nice and tight and it's one of the areas i think that people worry about the most for good reason and that's that's actually the case across the whole fashion industry it's a very difficult area for the industry, but it's something that I think with you know, good legal advice is actually something that can be controlled quite well. So it's not something yeah. to be scared of. And it's also moral rights, making sure that the artist is credited. Now, you mightn't be able to put their name on the, on the fabric, but you can put it on the product tag, for example, or maybe even on the label. Yes. I, I think that that's a great point because I think everybody should want that. <laughs> you know, the, the artist, the, the designer, but, but the fashion label should want that as well. And like we talked about before, you know, even if the product is handed down in 20 years' time to a son or daughter or whoever, that that story goes with it. It's so important. Absolutely. I think, yeah, consumers want to know the story as well and it yeah. builds such a wonderful personal connection. What are some of the risks that you've come across in this area that people should be mindful of? I guess the things that we've touched on a bit, but things like communication, I think, is one of the biggest risks, so not unclear communication. I think, uh, you know, agreements help to clear communication, but it's not just about agreements. It's about, you know, developing trust and just and also being being assertive, you know, in a friendly way, but being very assertive about what you're wanting to achieve through a collaboration. I know very, very few people who would be trying to rip people off, people in the fashion industry wanting to uh, to take advantage of uh, artists. So I think often it's just about saying, actually, sorry, guys, but this is important to me and this is why it's important to me. 
And I think we need to find a different way of managing whatever the thing is. And then I think most people would say, oh, okay, of course, you know, the last thing we want to do is, is harm you in any way or your community. So it's about being assertive, clear communication. Don't let things fester. Deal with them right up in front. And if, you, if it's too, too difficult to deal with, find someone who can help you deal with it, to who can advocate for you if you don't feel confident enough doing it yourself. And one of the things I say to people in the fashion industry is, you know, constantly is the two most important things is listen and learn. And that, you know, you spend as much of your time, especially up front, listening and listening and really learning. And I think that's the same both ways. I think particularly the industry needs to do it because it's such a new thing. But I think it's both ways. I think if we're in both sides of a, an agreement or a collaboration, if people are listening and learning, learning how a fashion label operates, why this why this particular thing is important to them and understanding that as well as them listening. But I think the people that need to learn the most are, you know, non-Indigenous people in the fashion industry, hey. but it's it, communication is two-way. Absolutely. And I think, too, the advantage of having a contract up front is you you talk about more things than you would otherwise because everybody's very excited about the project and they just talk about the things they each think of themselves as needing to do. But, in fact, if you've got a draft contract there, you go, oh, OK, well, we better talk about how long the permission to use the artwork goes for. We better not forget to talk about samples and all of those other things that are in the that are in a best place you know, best practice um, template contract. And, and a wonderful thing about working with an organisation like Arts Law is, yeah, Arts Law's been through, you know, supporting many, many, many different kinds of collaborations. And so you're learning all the time what's involved in a collaboration and then they can be sort of just dropped into a contract to just be that added level of protection. So, that, yeah, like you said, Donna, like you, the, the artist or the art centre doesn't have to think everything that could possibly go wrong. It's, you've got that support and it's in there. So, yeah, couldn't agree more around getting agreements uh, in place. Well, I think that'll be a very good end to the conversation, but I did want to ask you one question before that, and that is about what are some of the financial challenges faced in this sector? I, I think art centres, I um, understand in the past, that have had found collaborating with fashion fashion industry quite difficult and I, I don't know the ins and outs of that but it may seem a little bit daunting to enter into a sort of financial arrangement with the fashion industry because of those risks but I think what what the sort of most of the discussion that we've had Donna has been is that you know getting the right support and the right help in, in place just takes those kinds of risks and, and really, really minimises them out of the equation. So the financial challenges that might come from working with the fashion industry, they don't have to be there, I don't think. I think the the challenges that an art centre might have running its own operations, uh, I actually really think that the fashion industry can bring this extra revenue stream that, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit untapped. It's, I mean, a lot of art centres are really getting into it now and doing amazing work, but it's still quite untapped. So I think there's a very strong thirst for it. So I think getting the right understanding about what kind of agreements and relationships work and then putting those in place, I think, can really help alleviate the challenges that, that might be in place for art centres. So I think also a thing with um, the fashion industry compared to art is that the the industry, because it's selling many, many individual products that are the same, effectively, it's quite different from selling an artwork. It's obvious, I guess, but the so the the money that comes back from the fashion 
collaboration may not seem as as much as the value of the artwork that that is uh, it's based on. But the artist still owns the artwork. That's the way a collaboration should be. And then this should be seen as something that is a way of getting another income stream off that artwork. And also the, the other thing I think around sort of helping to manage financial matters sort of on the longer term is that when you enter into a relationship with a fashion label, really sort of try to orchestrate it so that it's for the long term, so that you're not just doing a, a single... Uh, you know, collection or single artwork that's being used that you say, you know, we really like to have a long-term relationship with you. How do we go about doing that? And then, you know, the work that's done the first time will be a lot of work. You know, the second time will be less work and less work and less work. But look, I mean, I just think things have come an awfully long way just in these last few years and the pace is really accelerating all the while. So it's very exciting for you, I'm sure, to be on the cutting edge of this as it takes off and being able to play a role in helping it move along in a fair way. Yeah, and it, it is it is wonderful. Um, you know, my role and DAF's role is very much a sort of supportive role. You know, we, we just want to help connect people to the right people. Um, and and be a support. So you know we're there to be drawn on where it makes sense. As as is Arts Law, I know, and other organisations. Yeah, it's great. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Thanks for your time today. No problem, Donna. As always, if you have any questions, please contact Arts Law via email. Artslaw at artslaw.com.au. Please drop us a line and let us know what you think. And if you have any ideas for topics you'd like to hear about, please let us know. As often the questions one person has are shared by others and we'll try to do a podcast on your question or give you one-on-one legal advice. This is part of a series of podcasts created by Arts Law in partnership with Desart. You can find them on our website and on the SAM database or on Spotify. You can also find our other podcasts on topics such as copyright, moral rights, online exhibitions and social media, cybersecurity and employment. Thanks to Dave Giles Kay for providing his insight and time and also thanks to Lee Elston, a lawyer at Arts Law who's been playing the role of sound editor for these podcasts. This podcast is intended as a guide to the law only. It is not legal advice and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice. Legal advice should be sought on the specific issues affecting you.